And if this is your first Sunday at Windsor Road, I'm just delighted uh, to get to worship with you today. My name is Randy, and I'm serving as the senior minister here at the church. And uh, our life passion as a church is to be a life-changing community, passionately pursuing Christ. And uh, as mentioned in the video, for the last six months, we've really been praying and planning how that might look. And so we've got this theme for the next Um, 103 Sundays. We want the world to know. So you should have a little booklet here along uh, uh, the uh, in your in your seat next to you, and uh, we want everyone to take a copy of this um, because we're going to just tease out these three major initiatives um, over the next uh, 24 months: a, a kingdom perspective, and a relentless unity, and fearless evangelism. Uh, Here's why we're doing this. This is really important. It comes by way of a New Year's well wish. And here it is. May your rabbit never break down. May your rabbit never break down. That's, that's, that's the New Year's well wish. May your rabbit never break down. I didn't make that up. It comes from uh, the late Dallas Willard. Uh, committed Christian, man of God, and a philosophy professor. Uh, who taught at the University of Southern California. He once gave a well wish to his students. May your rabbit never break down. You see, when they train up these race dogs, these greyhounds, uh, they train them from the time they're little to chase this little electric rabbit that goes around the track. And Dallas Willard says one time at one race, this pack of greyhounds are just flying after this electronic rabbit. And then there was a short circuit, and the rabbit broke down, and the dogs caught up with it. And you know what happened? They went crazy. They started yelping and biting one another and bouncing up and down because all of their lives they've been trained to catch this silly electric rabbit. But they hadn't been trained to know what to do once they finally caught it. And then Dallas Willard said, some people are like that. They chase an electric rabbit. And for some people, that electric rabbit is money. Some, some people it's stuff or education. And even pastors can turn you know, church ministry in, into kind of an electric rabbit, you know. And then it breaks down and they don't know what to do. And Dallas Willard says, you need a rabbit that won't break down. Do you have a rabbit that won't break down? See, well, What might that be? Well, that takes me 
to a kingdom perspective. And I want us to consider that this morning. Paul, in the book of Philippians, talks about a rabbit that'll never break down. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. You'll find Philippians 3 on page 981 of your church Bibles. And Paul describes this magnificent kingdom perspective. When he says in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 10, that I may know Him, that's Christ, and the power of His resurrection, and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. This is the Word of God. Did you hear it? Can you feel it? Paul's got a rabbit that'll never break down. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So today, we're beginning this theme of that the world may know. We want to be a congregation of, of Christ exalting diversity on one mission so the world will know Christ. And not just intellectual knowledge, not just knowledge that, that's in my head or in my heart, but knowledge that lives out of my life, knowledge that translates to everyday life. And this morning I want to begin by just talking about a kingdom perspective. A kingdom perspective. Did you hear Paul's kingdom Perspective. Could you see Paul's kingdom perspective in these verses? What do I mean when I'm talking about kingdom perspective? Well, uh, turn in your booklet 
to just the, the middle section. To possess a kingdom perspective means to be a church full of people who sees every moment as a kingdom moment. Uh, you could put it this way. A kingdom perspective sees all of life through the eyes of Christ. All of life is seen through the eyes of Christ. It's, it's training my eyes to see the way Jesus sees. And all over these verses that we read, we're, we're introduced to this idea of perspective, how we see and how we think and how we perceive these verses have to do with looking ahead Paul says I, I press on toward the goal Paul says I want you to think this way Paul says keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us a kingdom perspective sees all of life through the eyes of Christ a kingdom perspective is about how you see and how you process and how you uh, interpret and respond to life. Paul is just telling us something that we really need to remember as unique, uniquely made in the image of God, and it's simply this. You never respond to the facts of a situation. You don't. You respond to your interpretation of the facts of a situation. You don't respond what happens in your life. You respond to your perspective about what happens to your life, which means that every person in this room is an interpreter. Every person in this room is a, is a processor. Every person in this room is a philosopher. Every person in this room is a theologian. You see the facts, you interpret the facts, and then you respond and, and to every experience in your life, good or bad. We're always bringing some type of interpretive system to everything we face in life. God made us this way. We're unique over all creation in that way. And, and, and the interpretive system that you carry into that experience shapes the experience itself. It, it's, it's fascinating. It's amazing. And Paul's kingdom perspective is grounded in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our homeland is the new heavens and the new earth. And this affects my perspective. This affects how I see all of life, starting with myself, leading on to my relationship with God, and then how I see the struggles and hardships in life. Myself, God, and struggles. Let's just talk about each of those for a moment, beginning with myself. A kingdom perspective helps me see myself as Christ sees me. Who am I? Well, in Christ I belong to his kingdom. If you are in Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. Paul's not saying that you will be or you might be or you could be, or you should be. He's saying in Christ, this is who you are. My identity is as a citizen of heaven. And how is that possible? Through the new birth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. You have a new heart, 
You have new eyes. You have new life. You have new nature. You have a new destination. You have a new allegiance. In Christ, it's all new. And what that means is this, and this is the glory of the gospel. Hear me. For those of us who have trusted in Christ, who we are is no longer determined by where we've come from, instead, where we're going. We are people of destiny. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3.13, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, people show up here every Sunday. You know, last year we averaged between you know, three and, and six brand new households that we know of, that we know of. And People show up and let us know that they're here. And I don't know all of our newcomers, but I know this about all our newcomers. People come into this facility with a past, with baggage, with stuff, with secrets, with junk. And, you know, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, you, you don't know my past. No, I don't know your past. And then I hear others say, well, you know, I just don't think I can forgive myself. And I feel um, what the person is trying to say when they say that. But let me just so lovingly say, according to the gospel, the most important Opinion about yourself does not come from you. Just let that sit for a minute. You are not the supreme authority or the supreme opinion about your life. You're not. Well, then who is? His name is Jesus. What he thinks about you is more important than what you think about you. So when you look in the mirror, the question really isn't, what do I think about this person in the mirror? The question is, what does Jesus think? And I'll tell you what Jesus thinks about us. We are we're so stuck in sin that he needed to come to rescue us. And we are so loved by him that he was delighted to do it. For the joy set before him, Hebrews says, he endured the cross. We're more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. We're more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. That is truth, church family. And a kingdom perspective helps us see ourselves. See ourselves the way Jesus sees us. And, and so then, you know, that just directly translates to our relationship with God because now, because of Christ, God is primarily our Father. And, and Paul front loads this in Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Our Father. So in Christ, I have direct access to God because he's my father. And, and we as a church community 
have direct access in our prayers to God as our Father. I, we can belong to a community with direct access. And, and Paul explains this a little more uh, in Philippians chapter four at the end of verse five. Paul says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything? Everything. It means God is concerned about everything in your life, every part of your life, your work, your schooling, your career, your body, your family, your growth. He's interested in you because you belong to him, not merely as a citizen in his realm, but as a child in his house. And a kingdom perspective reminds me of that. Helps me see myself as a citizen. And it helps me see myself as even more than a citizen. I'm a child. I'm an heir. I'm an heir because of Christ. And then a kingdom perspective helps me see, uh, you know, my struggles and my hardship. I can tell now that it's time for you to hear a story about the pastor's granddaughter. (laughs) She's 18 months old. And uh, she had this hardship this past week. Do you know what her parents allowed? Audrey's parents allowed her to get stuck with a foreign object by a total stranger. Who would do that? Why would they permit that? Yes, yes, of course, it was a vaccine in a physician's office. Okay. (laughs) But try to explain that to an 18-month-old. See. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pastor, are you saying that sometimes I act like an 18-month-old with life's hardships? Yeah, we do, we do. We do. I love you. We do. And a kingdom perspective empowers us to interpret these hardships. And that's where we get this often overlooked verse in Philippians chapter 3 where Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and some of your versions say and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And we just kind of glide over that as nice churchy religious-y talk. But let's just sit in that for a moment. The fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul says, I want to, when suffering comes my way, I want to interpret that. And how do I interpret that? Paul says, when hardship happens, the question is not, what did I do wrong? The question is, how can I make the most of this difficult situation so that Christ will be magnified? So that I will display Christ? So that I will have communion with Christ in suffering? so that people will see Christ in me. I want to know Christ, Paul says. So knowing Christ, even when hardship happens, knowing Christ is greater to Paul than knowing 
why this storm has hit me. See, that's a perspective. That's a way to interpret the hardships that happen. And it's one thing to appreciate the life of Christ in a Bible study. It's quite another to personally feel and experience what Christ felt when he was misunderstood, when he was maligned, when he was mistreated. The fact is, being a citizen of heaven means that we are a citizen in a realm that is under the prince of the power of the air, that is under the realm of evil, the evil one. And that means that we will experience crushing circumstances because this world is broken. And those circumstances may be the loss of a job, the death of a child, the ridicule of hostile employers, the struggle of personal health. But a kingdom perspective sees a bigger purpose of it all. God lets us struggle through the storms so that we will depend solely on Him. That's Paul's kingdom perspective in 2 Corinthians 1.9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That means you can trust Jesus in a raging storm. And you can trust Jesus when you are bound by evil that will not let you go. You can trust Jesus when the doctors tell you they've done everything they can do. You can trust Jesus when you have overwhelming needs and limited resources. Pastor H.B. Charles put it this way, the fact that you are in a raging storm is not what matters most. What matters is whether Jesus is in the boat. kingdom perspective sees all of life through the eyes of Christ and Paul says that's a rabbit that's not going to break down and this chapter shows us some broken down rabbits they're in verse 19 their end is destruction their God is their belly they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things broken down rabbits have minds set on earthly things, see? The, the, the problem with a broken down rabbit, the reason why a broken down rabbit is broken down is because it sees this world, this world, this here and now as our final destination. But a kingdom perspective knows otherwise. That this world is not our final destination, which means that everything else in our life is not our final destination. So your education is not your final destination? Your job is not your final destination? Your home is not your final destination? Your retirement is not your final destination? Your friendships and your family and your relationships, these are not your final destinations. Listen, even church ministry work. You know, those of us in church work, we pastors sometimes treat ministry as if it's a final destination. Sometimes we enjoy preaching about Jesus more than we enjoy Jesus. That's a broken down rabbit. Nothing in this present age should be treated as if it's our final destination. And when we treat it like it is, we get in trouble. And we begin to expect more of this world than it can possibly give. And we ask people and places and possessions to satisfy our souls, but they can't. We expect earthly experiences to give us lasting joy, but they can't. 
We expect broken, dysfunctional people to make us happy, but they won't. They're not designed to. And when we treat this world like it's our final destination, we start making too many demands on the people in our lives. And then when, when they inevitably fail to reach our standards, we get hurt or angry. When we see this world as our final destination, we reduce it to a, to a, to a personal pleasure delivery system that can never quite get it right. And then after the personal pleasure delivery system disappoints us, we accuse God for not fixing our tattered tent. But you know what? God's not working on our tattered tents. He's working on a palace for us. And I just wonder how miserable some of us have have made ourselves and others because we, we keep insisting that this world deliver what it was never meant to deliver. And listen, whether you believe in eternity or not, God always responds with eternity in view. Because God has designed that this world not be the final destination for his citizens, his children. The final destination, the rabbit that will never break down, the great story that will never end, whose continuous chapters are each better than the one before? Verses 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body in the new heavens and the new earth you're not going to flit about like a wispy spirit you're going to have a body Paul says what kind of a body a glorious body what's that look like it's going to look like Jesus body that's our final destination how's that going to happen by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself we don't need a better here and now. What we need is the new heavens and the new earth and the perspective of kingdom life to reshape our here and now. That's what we need. And Paul's telling us the reality we were made for. Glorious bodies. I want that, don't you? So Randy Alcorn has written this really good book called uh, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. And he challenged me with this question. Are you living for the dot or the line? Take a look. The dot is your life on earth. The line is life in the new heavens and the new earth. We know that you're living and that we are living in the dot. We know where we're living in, but what are you living for? What are you living for? The short-sighted person lives for the dot. A kingdom perspective lives for the line. 
The broken down rabbit's in the dot. The rabbit that'll never break down is the line. And the line is a resurrected body on a resurrected earth with the resurrected Christ. And so it's all about perspective. And that's why our perspective should be radically different than the world's. We should live differently because we see differently. We witness the same current events, but we interpret them differently. We eat the same food, exchange the same currency, but we live according to two different purposes. And these purposes are based squarely on two different perspectives. One perspective sees life in the short run, the dot. The other looks for the long run, the line. Are you living for the dot or are you living for the line? And the kingdom perspective sees all of life through the eyes of Christ, sees every moment as a kingdom moment. And that's what makes it a rabbit. That's not going to break down. Resurrected body, resurrected earth, resurrected Christ. So what do we do with this once we leave these glass doors? Because, you know, the easiest place to have a kingdom perspective is right in this room. And then we're going to dismiss. So, you know, what, what then? Well, here's, here's what we're not talking about. Our citizenship in heaven does not mean that we, you know, grind it out here and kind of hunker down and, until we die so that we can go in heaven and live where we belong. That's not what we're talking about. That's not. And here's how I know this. Paul is writing these words to the Philippians who lived in Philippi. And Philippi was a territory of Rome. And more specifically, Philippi was a colony. Now, I know that especially in a university community like ours, you know, words like colony and colonialism can come across in poor taste. But really, that's the best word. Philippi was a colony of Rome. And those who made up the colony were there to establish the culture of Rome. They were there to set up the values and the priorities of Rome. And the Roman colonists of the first century, their perspective was not, well, you know, we're all longing for the day when we can go live in the city of Rome where we belong. No, that's not it at all. <laughs> in fact, Caesar's going, I don't want you coming back here. I want you to spread out. I want you to multiply. I want you to be fruitful. Your mission is to bring the life of Rome and the culture of Rome and the values of Rome and the truth of Rome and the love of Rome and the, and the, uh, the, the, the glory of Rome all throughout the world. You are to be an outpost of Roman influence. And should there be a rebellion in Philippi, should barbarian insurgents threaten the colony, the faithful and loyal citizens of Rome would await the arrival of Caesar, who was Savior and Lord, who would one day at last defeat his enemies and establish the rule of his people. You get it now? Christians, we are an outpost of heaven a colony of heaven. And our purpose is to bring the life and love and culture of heaven right here in Champaign-Urbana and beyond. Windsor Road Christian Church is, is, we are to be an embassy of heaven, making us more than simply uh, citizens, 
Because we are children, sons and daughters of of our Heavenly Father, He has given us the vocation of ambassadorship. We are to be His ambassadors. And that's why we pray that portion of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as an embassy of heaven, we spread out and we are fruitful and we multiply and we live and breathe and work and serve in a way that offers people a vision of heaven. Listen, the best compliment that a newcomer can offer having worshipped with God's people at Windsor Road, the very best comment that we can be encouraged by is when they say this, I know what heaven is going to be like. I've been to Windsor Road Christian Church. See, here's the question. When I enter a room, do I bring heaven with me? Or do I bring hell with me? Do I bring peace or do I bring chaos? So yesterday, I read this obituary in the paper. I kind of do that, read obituaries. It's what I do. I read the obituary about this like Fortune 500 CEO who was a CEO in the age of, according to the obituary, the imperial CEO. And this guy was in charge of this huge company that had many divisions, etc. And according to this obituary, he always used to keep his employees off balance, you know, like he would show up and he would just sell offices. The employees would show up and they didn't know where, maybe he'd just keep them off. Like he, he said, I, I like to keep them guessing, he said. I like to keep them wondering. You know, you've got a current assignment, not a permanent job. That's what his attitude was. And talking about all of his business success and I thought, oh, wow. Wow, I was almost, almost beginning to admire the person. And then the obituary closed with, he was survived by his third wife. And I don't think the first two died on him. (laughs) Man. The obituary didn't mention that he brought heaven with him into his conversations or into his meetings or into his relationships. He just kind of brought chaos, you know? And that was his trick. That was his trick. I'm gonna bring chaos. What do you bring into conversations with you? Do you bring heaven with you or do you bring hell? How can I train my life to bring heaven with me wherever I go? How can I train my eyes to see the way Christ sees all of life. How do I do that? It takes, it doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentional training. So here are some training opportunities. When you go out these glass doors here, 
There are insight classes that we have offered this semester. There's a dozen of them, uh, ranging from training your eyes to see uh, through a particular passage of the Bible, uh, training your eyes to, to see how Christians need to see themselves in relationship to their government, and how, how Christians need to see themselves in, in relationship to religious freedom. There's all sorts of different courses that we want to offer. Train your mind. If you have not been praying for our current president in the past eight years, start now. If, if you have not been praying for our next president, start now. Okay? Start now. But the question isn't who did you vote for? The question now is, who are you praying for? Paul tells us this in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, I, first of all, he says, uh, you know, I command that, that we need to pray for kings and those in authority. And do you know why? So that we will live peaceful and quiet lives. You pray for your government leaders <laughs> See, we want to pray thinking that if we'll pray enough, we'll bend God's will. And you know what? We, I pray for my perspective and to get my will aligned with his will. That's what we're praying for. So that we will live peaceful and quiet lives. That's why we pray for our leaders. And that's a kingdom perspective, church. And that won't happen accidentally. It takes intention that's why we're offering these insight classes for insight and that's why we offer training in family life ministry because we want to we want to teach parents to rear mighty men and women of god this is why we want you to be involved in small group community life we want you to we want you to be with god's people and we want you to be with god's word and if you are with those two studying and praying and fellowshipping together you're going to grow this is why we want you to be involved with our celebrate recovery ministry on friday night our community who daily fights the effects of hurts and habits and hang-ups in a community that is not focused on where we've been but where we're going. And this is why we are offering short-term missions trips to the DR, to Montana, to Peru, to Haiti. Even locally, we're bringing our gifts and abilities and talents to Champaign-Urbana and beyond. And why? Because we want the world to know Jesus. And we want to tell the story of Jesus in a world that's divided over racial strife and political strife and economic strife. We want the world to know that there is one who can and will unify us. One true ruler, the high king and authentic emperor over all. Jesus, that's a kingdom perspective. Adopt it. See as Christ sees because one day the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and he will reign forever and ever. He is reigning right now and one day we will reign with him in glorious bodies. And so right now, we are the taste of the new heavens and the new earth. So I leave you. I leave you with a prayer and I leave us with a question here. The prayer is simple. God, 
You are all I need today. You are all I need today. And the question is, God, who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to love?